0: First look at betting next week's games in the NFL. This is Opening Lines with Jonathan Vontobel and Matt Humans on v
3: the Sports Betting Network. All right, I got something that pretty much encapsulates the date today. From Thomas Casale up on Twitter, Humans got multiple texts from friends today that basically said,
1: quote, I'm done. See you next football season. Tells me the public get a rough week. Uh, those betters will be back next week. They will. <laughs> they will be back next week, I guarantee it. Unless you uh, want to go
3: down the rabbit hole with me in the NBA regular season, which <laughs> I don't think you want to do.
1: Uh, College football. We'll talk later yep. in the show. But, uh, yeah, hey, man, the betters just had three pretty good weeks in a row. Right. Now, today the bookmakers fought back, and it was a bloodbath. Always good to see. In it. a sense, but uh, you know what's going to happen eventually. So. so that's the nature of NFL betting. To the guy who t-
3: tweeted at Jeff Sherman of the Westgate Superbook, make better numbers. They did. <laughs> and I think they're going to be fine. All right, let's roll through the week third card. Start at the top, work our way around. New York Jets at the Indianapolis Colts met humans. We've got to do it one more time. Indianapolis on the look ahead, a 14-and-a-half point favorite over the lowly New York Jets who had nothing going for them going into today. Well, Jets win coupled with the Colts' loss. We have a four-point adjustment here. Ten, uh, Indianapolis, 10-and-a-half with a total of 47 or 46-and-a-half.
1: Is that it? That's it. Really? Yep. Well, the Colts are not going to win the AFC South, so forget those bets. Never go. Uh, but you were talking about the 14 and a half number before the game, and I, I would be stunned if that number was not dropped to 11 after what we saw today, because the Colts got to be, I think, a little bit dispirited after blowing that game to the Titans. You're up 14 nothing. You got to win that game at home when everything's on the line. That's a season-defining game for a, a team and a player. Yep. And Carson Wentz blew it today. Yep. And I knew I was going to get ticked off talking about Carson Wentz, You're but I can't angrier. stand it. Yeah. it. You've got to, in overtime. It's first down. You don't throw into triple coverage 25 yards down the sideline when you have a running back open on a check down the middle of the field and you it don't is. have a defender within 20 yards of him. If you throw that ball to Jonathan Taylor, he gets out to midfield, if not more, and the Colts are in position to win that game. How do you throw into triple coverage? I've defended Carson Wentz so many times. but That's indefensible, what he did today. It's a pitiful performance uh, by the Colts, and I'm, I'm sick of that team right now. How how could you lay double digits with the Colts off that performance? I can't. Right. I'm just going to ignore the Colts this week. But what if I told you before today's game today's games that there was going to be a quarterback go 37 for 45 for 405 yards and three touchdowns? Who would it be? You would say, well, it might be Tom Brady, Matthew Stafford. Carson Wentz. Wins. Yeah.
3: How Tam-Man. about Mike White? Yep.
1: Mike White, is he the Jets
3: quarterback of the future? Maybe. Also caught a two-point conversion, remember, so he's got some skills. <laughs> yeah. uh, so it sounds like you would agree with that adjustment from the look ahead of 14 yeah, uh, down to 10.5. I, I expected Indy. 11. Yeah. yeah,
1: that's what I
3: thought. By the way, remember that Indianapolis closes an 11.5-point favorite at home against the Houston Texans a few weeks ago. So gives you an idea of where the Jets are at from a power rating perspective by the market. How about this? Speaking of the Houston Texans, uh, can you think any less of them? The Miami Dolphins... The look-ahead was seven with a total of 45.5 for the Miami Dolphins at home against the Houston Texans. It is seven with a total of 46.5 or 45.5 at the Open. (laughs) I know you're not supposed to ask bad teams to do good things for you, but what happens when they take on another bad team? Seven
1: for Miami? (laughs) Typically when two bad teams collide, you take the underdog. That's what you're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, So here, would you take the Texans plus 7.5? I would not, unless Deshaun Watson's a quarterback. And that number would not stay 7.5. David Bierman of ESPN tweets, Somehow the Dolphins are favored by 7. That team shouldn't be favored by (laughs) 7 over my 7-year-old's flag football team. The the Texans are pretty bad now. Trailed 38 nothing today, and that's just brutal if you laid the number with the Rams, and that game lands on 16, Mm 38-22. Wow. What happened in the fourth quarter?
3: Davis Mills uh, all of a sudden became Tyrod Taylor. He was just <laughs> dropping dimes. Wow. It's absolutely fantastic.
1: All right. I think seven, seven and a half is fair here, even though the Dolphins have not won since week one. Uh, this has got this has got to be a spot that the Dolphins are going to be fired up. What, what are the Texans playing for at this point? You've already got your one win for the season. Mm-hmm. As an organization, I know we don't talk about tanking that much in the NFL, and I, I really don't believe in it that much in the NFL, but the Texans are not going to go winless. You're not going to accomplish anything positive as an organization if you win two or three or four games. Unless you got Tyrod Taylor at quarterback, you don't really have a realistic chance to win these games. Mm-hmm. So with Davis well, Mills, I, I, I'm not going to bet uh, the Texans. Well, I'll up, up it
3: really good. quickly, yeah. and we don't have to waste a lot of time on it, but uh, I am willing to wager we never see Tyrod Taylor in a Texans uniform again. Why would you play him?
1: Well, stick with your one win. You shouldn't want to play him. Right. You should want to play Davis Mills and right. lose, right. and lose, which is a form of tanking. And Tyrod Taylor, I think, going to be a, should be a valuable trade commodity. There are teams with quarterback injuries out there right now. Why would the Seattle Seahawks not want Tyrod? Mm-hmm. Taylor? Or you know, there's. A handful of teams are going to rattle off that should want Taylor.
3: All right, let's go from there to the two games. Uh, two teams that just participated on Sunday Night Football. Maybe
1: the Indianapolis Colts be better off.
3: Denver Broncos at the Dallas Cowboys. Look ahead, Dallas, 7.5 with a total of 49. Minnesota Vikings at the Baltimore Ravens. Look ahead, Baltimore, minus 6 with a total of 49.5. We've not seen these numbers rehung at all, but I think we're both in agreement. Dallas stays probably about a seven and a half point favorite, and Baltimore probably gets adjusted to a six and a half, maybe seven point
1: favorite. Yeah, the Broncos stopped their three game losing streak, get a win today over the uh, hapless Washington four game losing streak. They get back to four and four, uh, stopped their open the season three and zero over the hapless Washington football team. I think. I think eight, the West Geek Superbook has moved to eight. I think that's fair. The Cowboys yep. are 7-0 and against the spread. Dak is going to be back. Who wants to bet the Broncos at this point? By the way, the Cowboys will be the number one team on every teaser people put in this week. Yep. Cowboys minus one and a half, Cowboys minus two. If you want to play the Cowboys on a teaser, do it now before this number goes to eight or eight and a half across the board. As far as the Vikings, I'm staying the hell away from this team this week. And I think the Ravens are going to go up to six and a half. Uh, maybe 7-point favorites, but I still think the Vikings are a little bit too good to be catching a 7 at this point.
3: New England Patriots on the road against the Carolina Panthers. Look ahead, New England 2.5 with a total of 43.5, but we have questions about what Sam Darnold's status is going to be for next week, so we see the adjustment Carolina now catching 3 with a total Mm -hmm. of
1: 43.5. I think the Patriots should be at least full field goal favorites here. I wouldn't be surprised to see this number move to 3.5 at some point. Um, The Patriots today look like the team I expected them to be in the first month or six weeks of the season. That's what I expected the Patriots to be. So maybe they're finally – I thought at some point they would hit, start to click and start to look a lot better and hit the rhythm, and I think that might have happened today. But I'll believe in it fully if they can win back-to-back road games, and this is one the Patriots have to win. Get over that season win total of eight and a half – or nine, and they are back to four and four. Yep. We've got a little yeah. bit more life
3: in our Patriots to make the playoff tickets that you yes. and I both made before yep. the season started too. Buffalo Bills at the Jacksonville Jaguars. A pathetic performance from Jacksonville today too. Uh, Urban Meyer with a week to prepare for a
1: game, and they essentially He's done. Out. He uh, should be done as an NFL coach. He, bad, he didn't man. have his team prepared. He's clueless in game management operations. Yep, uh, I think Urban Meyer is finished. He should be finished as an NFL coach. It's an experiment that failed. Probably never should have been launched in the first place. And uh, – um I'm not taking the points with Jacksonville. I told you, I'm not betting the Jaguars, the Lions, the Jets, or the Bears. Those teams are on my new do-not-bet list. Yep. Now The Jets came through today, but I'm still not going to get suckered into betting the Jets in the future.
3: Buffalo was 10-and-a-half with a total of 49-and-a-half on the look-ahead, 14 now with a total of 48-and-a-half, and I think that is apt. Uh, the Jags uh, are in a really tough spot here. Their defense is atrocious. Geno Smith all of a sudden was dropping dimes, slanging and banging, and looked incredible today. Against
1: that secondary. It was absolutely atrocious. By the way, this is a brief comment. When it's 24 to 0 and you score, uh, don't get me started on how that. How do
3: you not go for two? How No.
1: How's this? Yeah, I'm going to get here today. Okay.
3: How about not only do that? You don't go for
1: two, you kick but the then extra you onside kick. Kick the extra point, then you onside kick it it down makes 24 no sense! How. Urban Meyer, are you completely no lost? What what are you doing? That's it. That's at that point, as the coach is waving the white towel, I have no clue what I'm doing. What? And then that shot of him standing there for everybody's like, oh my god, like dude, oh, don't
3: even get me started. It's like I am telling you, <laughs> kids who play Madden. Right. Are, can manage games better than some of these old farts who don't know what's right. going on. It's true, and I will never back off of the stance. All right, from there, Cleveland Browns at the Cincinnati Bengals. Cincinnati on the look-ahead three with a total of 45. They obviously take one on the chin, but uh, you're not going to see much of an adjustment. I would assume the market, because there has been one, but it's going to adjust back. Cincinnati now two-and-a-half with a total of 45-and-a-half. I believe they should be full three-point favorites over the Browns.
1: Uh. Yeah, I think you'll get. that'll be a pretty strong two-way action game. We're at three. I think you get a decent amount of play on the Browns. Uh, the Bengals at two and a half will probably uh, draw a fair amount of interest as well. Again, I mentioned this in the first hour, and I think you were surprised by it. Kevin Stefanski, 0-7 against the spread in regular season division games after today. Wow. How do you lose to that Steelers team today? Didn't have a kicker. It actually worked to the Steelers' advantage in the yeah. second half because instead of kicking, they had to go for it. And they got the touchdown, Uh, but man, that was a bad performance by the Browns today. It was Baker Mayfield. I think the Bengals probably in a better, a little bit better spot here too, coming home off that really discouraging loss where they got screwed by the officials and a really bad call uh, late in the end of that game. But let's face it, the Bengals were off a big win at Baltimore. If you believe in situational flat spots, Bengals were in one.
3: Yep. All right, from there, uh, further down the rotation, we go to the Las Vegas Raiders of the New York Giants. Look ahead, 2.5 in favor of the Raiders with a total of 47.5. We have not seen the Giants play. So we're still sitting right now on the board. Las Vegas, three, with a total of 47 and a half. So we'll get a real adjustment after the contest. The Atlanta Falcons at the New Orleans Saints. For those who weren't with us in the first hour or missed the news earlier in the day, Jameis Winston, the report is a severe ACL injury. We don't know exactly what it is, but a severe ACL injury tells us he's not going to play next week. We could assume that Trevor Simeon is going to be the guy. You also have to wonder about Taysom Hill, who hasn't been available for them either. Regardless, no real adjustment. Saints, 5.5 with a total of 45.5 on the look ahead. Line right now, 5.5 with a total of 43.5. One spot does have a 4.5 on the screen, too. And that would be what? The uh, Westgate Superbook with that number right now.
1: I got to tell you first about the Raiders Giants. Yeah. I might be interested in the Giants plus three, depending how they look yeah. uh, Monday night, because the Giants are getting healthier on offense. And I think Daniel Jones is playing better. Uh, The Raiders also off a bye, which sometimes could be a negative. You're off a bye, you go on the road as a favorite. Uh, I think there should be a a couple-point adjustment from Jameis to Trevor Simeon, but in this spot against the Falcons, maybe not.
3: All right. We'll finish up the uh, the rotation for next week in these opening lines, and then we will get to college football as well. Pretty fascinating week next week in college football with some pretty odd spots for teams like the Michigan State Spartans taking on Purdue. What does that bounce back look like for Michigan State as they remain undefeated? We'll talk about that and much more on the other side here on the opening line.
4: Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is
0: Opening Lines with Charles Tobel and Matt Humans on VSIN, the
3: sports betting network. Hey, remember to check out the website, vSEN.com, slash subscribe, everything we offer up there. And by the way, a lot of good tools for you to use. Not only do you get the betting splits, you also get the parlay calculator and much more, plus access to everything we do, including written content, like vsim.com slash JVT. Also Andy McNeil's page, too. So check it out. VSM.com slash subscribe. Dive in. Check it out. It's worth it. With that, we continue running down the look-ahead lines and the lines, the opening lines, for next week in the National Football League. So we left off. Again, just to reiterate, because it is big news. We know that Jameis Winston pro- is not going to be available, 90% sure. A severe
1: ACL injury. But the Saints too bad. It is actually Jameis was on track to possibly be the comeback player of the year. Yep, absolutely. And the the Saint. I mean, think about
3: it. The Saints have been doing a really good job. Only two losses up to this point on the year. Jameis has been part of that. They do improve to five and two. They win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and now they get the Atlanta Falcons next week. But uh, and you and I were talking about this, and uh, you know we'll talk to bookmakers throughout the week, and this will be an interesting question. You know There is differences between quarterbacks from a point spread perspective. I think you think Jameis Winston is the better quarterback than Trevor Simeon. However, given the opponent, potentially you're not going to see as dramatic of an adjustment. Westgate's got 4.5 for the New Orleans Saints here. Two other spots with this number up have 5.5 with a total of 43.5 across the board. So one point
1: adjustment for the Westgate, no point adjustment for the other two shops that are up right now. Well, it's possible that if Jameis were still the quarterback of the Saints, this number would be at 6.5. You know, it's it's going to be tough to get betters on the Falcons uh, here. So, I think five and a half, you, you, a static number is probably uh, a good way for bookmakers to sit. And then the betters determine which way it goes at that point, right? Because five and a half is not a key number.
3: Yep. And Trevor, Sammy, I, mean, I think in situations like this, where you're talking about one of the worst defenses in the NFL, right, this is going to be a situation which he'll be like comfortable to take your offense going forward.
1: Yeah, he can't – this is – this is a guy who can play quarterback a little bit in the NFL. He's got some experience. I don't think he's that bad, but to me, he's about a two-point drop-off in the number from Jameis, but again, you're playing the Falcons, who were, who looked rotten today, and there's not been betters who are going to want to get on this uh, dog in the division game. The Saints looked really good. Uh, it's, it's, again, a case of a team that looked really good today and a team that looked really bad, and the Saints, as uh, home favorites, five and a half. I wouldn't be surprised if that number hit six. Who knows? But uh, it's just tough to get better on the Falcons. Breaking news. We will have a game six of the World Series. Nice. The Astros come from behind. Nice. By the way, Adam Duvall hit a grand slam in the first inning of this game for the Braves. They probably thought it's time to party. We're going to be celebrating a World Series championship tonight. Not so fast. 9-5. So to five. Astros get it done. They just uh, finished it off, and there will be a game six. Breaking news.
3: Russell Westbrook just hit a mid-range jumper. So, 75 no, 75-52 lead for the Lakers. Nobody cares about that, though. All right, let's go to, from there to uh, the Chargers-Eagles game. I, I think this is a really interesting game. It's, it's going to be a fun game because these are two teams that have offenses that, in the right situations, can be pretty high-flying. Two and a half right now for the Chargers, the total of 50 and a half. To have point adjustment off the look-ahead humans, which was Chargers minus mm-hmm. three. Now, I think when you look at what ails the Chargers... I think it's just back-to-back matchups didn't really work, right? One, you take on the Baltimore Ravens in that run game. It exploits one of your biggest weaknesses. You get blown out when you go on the road, right? Tough spot there. Then after your bye, you get to take on Bill Belichick, who clearly last year kind of, I don't want to say figured it out, knew what he wanted to do from a defensive standpoint against Justin Herbert. Did it again here today. Picked him off twice. One of them went to turn for a touchdown. Yeah. So now you get to go on the road and take on Philly, the markets adjusted slightly on the Chargers. It'd be interesting to see where they go with this one, though. I would assume that by the time we have, even we get to Monday tomorrow, that the three, like the full threes, are going to be up there.
1: Uh, I'm interested in the home dog here. Yeah. I actually think the Eagles can run the ball on the Chargers. That's their weakness. Their run defense stinks, and that's why I thought the Patriots going to win that game outright today. I said Patriots going to win this game against the Chargers, and uh, they did. They didn't get off to a great start, but they got it done. I think the Eagles can run the ball on the Chargers as well, and I like home dogs anyway, so I'll probably be on the Eagles if uh, this number is three this week. And right now, like you said, it's uh, three at a spot where I can't bet it. Uh, Mostly it's two and a half in Vegas, but, yeah, you're going to see threes this week. And
3: for the Eagles, too, by the way, when you look at some of the things, when you're talking about running game versus that run defense, Chargers across the board 26 or lower and a lot of metrics in terms of run defense. Eagles, and this is just by football outsiders, but if you're talking about, like, Uh, for uh, second-level yards per carry, right? Fourth best in the National Football League. Top half of the league in terms of open field yards per carry. Top half of the league in terms of adjusted line yards per carry for the Philadelphia Eagles. For them, it's about committing to the run game and what the game plan is going to be. Because Sirianni has had some issues. And Jalen Hurts at times has looked eh, you know? Well, the Eagles came out against
1: the Raiders here in Vegas. right? Take the ball right down the field, score on the first drive, and then they stink for the next uh, three quarters. But uh, they showed today they got some potential offensively, and I think... If Jalen Hurts plays well, there's no reason the Eagles can't win this game.
3: And this could be one of those instances. You talked about teams that are hot going on bye weeks. This could yeah. be one that actually works for a team like the Philadelphia Eagles. It could be. Right? Get some extra time to get ready. All right, from there to probably the best game on the board, uh, and we'll see what the the Chiefs look like on Monday night. Kansas City taking on the Green Bay Packers. Look ahead was two and a half with a total of 53 and a half. Two-and-a-halves and a half and threes out there, but toggling between right those altered juices. So minus three even money or two and a half in some spots with a total of 55 and a half. So we're going to see what this defense looks like for Kansas City against the Green, or excuse me, against the New York Giants on yeah. Monday. I'll say this. If you look at this from just purely a number standpoint, what is happening with the Kansas City Chiefs with their turnovers, Patrick Mahomes is actually playing the same football he has been over the last two years. Yeah. The difference is the turnover worthy plays that he's committed because he's actually got a similar turnover-worthy play rate as he has, especially last year. It's just that they're actually committed. They're turning into turnovers. The years Mm -hmm. before, I think it's one of the figures out there. I was talking with Mitch Moss today. I think it's like 95 to 100% of his turnover-worthy plays this year have actually turned into turnovers.
1: Well, I remember saying last year, I think week three of the season, that he had had, by my count, watching the first three games, he had had five interceptions that were dropped. Right. And one that was nullified by a bogus penalty that the refs called uh, pass interference in the end zone. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he he's always been a guy who is a little bit of a gunslinger who's going to make risky plays, high risk, high reward type of player, and uh, this year it's backfired. Yep,
3: that'll be interesting. And I'll say this tomorrow:
1: the way the Packers can run the ball, and they're they've become a very physical offensive team because they can they can blow you off the line of scrimmage, and they can run the ball with. uh, uh, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. I'd probably look to take the Packers plus three. Circuit mm-hmm. right now is at three, but some books are two and a half. I think two and a half is the better number on this game. Yep.
3: And, and we would assume that the wide receiver position is going to get better. We sure. know that Bob Tunyon is not going to right. play with an injury, but the wide receivers,
1: at least, Lazard, Devontae Adams, would be available. It's super. You know, if the Packers are going to make a trade, trade deadline's Tuesday. Is there a tight end on the market the Packers can pick up? Because that's something I think you have to be looking at. Who's out of contention? Who's got a tight end that could help this offense to fill in for, uh, as you call him, Bob Tunyon? Yeah, it's a good point. Maybe right. they will go look because
3: yeah. uh, they need it. Uh, i tell you what, the Colts have a lot of tight ends, but they're not shipping anybody off because T.Y. Hilton got hurt again today and they only have three wide receivers. Yeah. Arizona Cardinals at the San Francisco 49ers, a rematch of a game that humans and I will never forget because we were on the right side. Darn it. Ultimately, right those, side, wrong <laughs> result. Right. Yeah. Arizona three with a total of 47 on the look ahead. One and a half in two spots, two and a half in one spot. Total of 46 and a half pretty much everywhere. This is all about the questions of whether or not Kyler is fully healthy. Because you got to hang a, a little bit of a different number. If Kyler Murray's fully healthy and ready to go, you'd expect this full three. But we don't know if that's the case. And the 49ers snapped that 0-4 straight up and against the spread slide today.
1: <laughs> but they were on the road. They were on the road. And again, I'll say it, 49ers have not won a home game in more than a year. That's amazing. That's really when you think fun. about it. A genius, like little shanty. Can't win a home game. A leader of men. uh And he, he coached. Probably the worst game I've ever seen him coach, in including two Super Bowls. And uh, the first game against Arizona with his poor decision making around midfield, just a poor play calling with Trey Lance in general. I think uh, Jimmy Garoppolo played pretty well today. And uh, I'm, I might actually look to back the Niners as home dogs. If you give me a full three, which I'm not sure we're going to find, I, I see this is an interesting game because if this number is accurate, I see three at the Caesars Sportsbook right now. One and a half at Circa and two and a half at the Westgate Superbook. Mm. If you give me a full three, I will take the Niners here. All I right. thought the Niners' defense did a great job against Kyler Murray in the first matchup, but little Shanty yep. screwed up that game. The Niners should have won that game.
3: All right, quickly, the last okay. two primetime spots. Tennessee Titans at the Los Angeles Rams for Sunday night football. Rams look ahead four with a total of 52. Now six and a half with a total of 54. And then Monday night, a game you'll be watching JVT's Bears. The Chicago Bears of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Look ahead, Pittsburgh five with a total of 40 oh, and a boy. half. Six <laughs> and a half. Oh, man, they're going to they're gonna pull me back Dude. in here, huh? Uh-huh. With a
1: total of 40. <laughs> i tell you pull what. Back in, if huh? you put a full seven up there, right? You have to think about Come taking right? the Bears. Come on. Huh? Uh, but next Sunday night, Titans Rams. I'm a little bit surprised to see a six and a half at circa in the Superbook on on the Rams, especially the Titans off three impressive losses yet wins. Excuse me. It is a uh, tough situational spot for the Titans. You beat the Bills, you beat the Chiefs and the Colts. Now you got to go on the road and play the Rams. Uh, the Rams have been playing a soft schedule here. I. Six and a half to me looks like it might be a take with the Titans. Uh, Next Monday night, I don't want to play the Bears, but man, the Steelers are getting wins with smoke and mirrors right now, JVT. I don't know how the Steelers went to Cleveland and won that game 15 to 10. That's an indictment of the Browns as much as anything. Yes, it really is. It
3: really is. Man, they might pull me right back in on this bad boy. Don't even know. Yeah, a one and a
1: half point adjustment there. But bad matchup. Next Monday night, the total in Bears Steelers is 40.
3: Going to be a really good one. Yeah. I can't wait to watch every second of it. All
1: right. Uh, well, when we come back,
3: let, let's change gears here. Let's get to college football. Really big week. Uh, that was a fun weekend as well. Well, there's a good one coming up this week, too, and a lot of interesting spots and letdown spots as well. We'll discuss that and much more.
0: This is Opening Lines with Charles Osavon and Matt Humans on FISAN, the Sports Betting Network.
3: Hey, great news for those of you based out in Colorado! We have partnered with Altitude Sports Radio, and starting Monday, all of your favorite Veasan shows, including this one, can be heard live on Altitude Radio 9:50 a.m. in Denver. We're extremely excited about this partnership that brings Veasan to a great sports city with a growing audience of sports betters like you. Tune in to hear all Veasan shows live on Altitude Radio 9:50 a.m. in Denver starting tomorrow. All right, Matt Evans. College football. Let's get to this. It was a big weekend. And also a big week now coming up, not just because of the contest, but on Tuesday, I know you love this, we get our first official college football playoff rankings. Wow. Oh, come on.
1: So who's your top four? Go. Georgia. Okay. Michigan State, Alabama, Cincinnati. Michigan State is number two, huh? Or yeah. did you say Alabama first? No, oh, yeah, Michigan yeah, that's State's 8 No, Good point. Alabama's lost a game. That's a good point. Uh, I don't think Cincinnati is ultimately going to have the schedule strength to get in there, but I'm I'm putting Cincinnati in my playoff, wow. okay? Bearcats have just had two bad weeks. He struggled to beat Navy and Tulane, but mm-hmm. I still like, since he is the top four team, you, you have to give Cincinnati credit for that win at Notre Dame. You, know, you could say Indiana, the win at Indiana, uh, toss it aside because the Hoosiers have gone into the tank mm-hmm. big time. Wes Reynolds has got to be depressed by what's happened with the Hoosiers. But it, the win at Notre Dame is a big-time win. Mm-hmm. Notre Dame stole a one lost team. I was going to so. say, they're,
3: they're holding on hope for yeah. the Irish to... Uh, they need the Irish to run the team, table, right.
1: make that win look as good as possible in South Bend. But I, I would say, I know Michigan State's not going to end up number two, but if you're, you're going to do this dog and pony show every week on ESPN where you trot out your weekly rankings, it's all a bunch of nonsense. Uh, I would say right now it's going to be Georgia, Michigan State, Alabama, Cincinnati. So and, uh, Alabama, in my book, would be favored Over all of those other three teams. Right. If you put Georgia and Alabama on a neutral right now, I have to make Alabama the favorite. How much? Georgia's quarterback play is too poor. Right. Okay. Alabama, was it a field goal? Uh, I'd probably make it a field goal. Okay.
3: Now, I will say this, and because we don't have to spend a lot of time on this, but I will just say we have all this parody that we keep talking about in college football. And yet, we are also staring a Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, and Oklahoma college football <laughs> playoff dead in the face. Somebody
1: so. please beat Oklahoma. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> knock out Oklahoma. Right? Because well, huh? the, the fallback for Oklahoma is going to be that new quarterback.
3: Actually, like this is a whole. Well, I do team. like
1: Caleb Williams. And Caleb Williams is awesome. Caleb Williams also quarterbacked the team that went scoreless in the first half at Kansas last hey, week. Hey, hey. Huh? It happens. It happens. Back to
3: Kansas. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So.
1: Let's talk about the Michigan okay. State team then because I, I,
3: I'm i fascinated by this next spot for them. So you get a 37-33 win against Michigan. High-scoring affair, surprisingly high-scoring affair between yeah, the two. Me. Yeah, surprised me. Surprised
1: a lot of people like that under the total of 50 and a half.
3: Well, and they take advantage of two turnovers late by Michigan, ultimately get a 37-33 win over the Wolverines. So now you get to take on Purdue next week. And what I was telling you when I was looking through some of the numbers for Purdue from an advanced metric standpoint – Purdue rates pretty highly across the board defensively here. And we've seen, of course, Purdue already pull this off earlier in the season. So when you look at this, what is the expectation for Purdue, who's coming off of that win over Nebraska? They were 7.5-point underdog, and now to play spoiler potentially to Michigan State in what I would assume is kind of a letdown spot heading the road after a win like that.
1: Well, it's a classic letdown spot. That's what it is. If it looks like this this price is cheap on Michigan State, it is for a reason. Uh, This is a classic letdown spot where a road favorite, is coming off an emotional win over a rival. Mm -hmm. So Michigan State moves up to number five in the AP poll, have the big comeback, victory over Michigan, 37-33. And now you have to go on the road to play a Purdue team that's uh, five and three and is one win away from bowl eligibility. That's going to be an electric atmosphere on Saturday afternoon. Uh Purdue's already got a big time win at Iowa when yep. the Hawkeyes were ranked number two. Purdue yep. also won in the underdog role yep. this past weekend as a seven seven and a half point dog at Nebraska. So when it opens Michigan State minus three, all of a sudden you're like, "No, oh, that's that smells kind of funny, right?" right? Um, there are two. There's a two and a half out of DraftKings right now on this game. I still think that price might be a little too cheap. I would have made the number three and a half. Uh, Kenneth Walker, I think, is going to be a little bit too. Tough to contain for this Purdue defense. I go back to the Wisconsin game two weeks ago. Purdue was off the big win at Iowa. Came home. That's a pedestrian Wisconsin team that can't throw the ball. Mm-hmm. What happens? Wisconsin Badgers run right, steamroll Purdue in that game with a running attack. I think Michigan State might be able to do the same thing. Kenneth Walker just ran 23 times Man. for 197 yards and five touchdowns against the Michigan defense. Yep. So even though it's an emotional letdown spot, I'm not sure – Purdue's good enough to pull it off here and I do know this what hurt Purdue the most in the Wisconsin game was quarterback Aiden O'Connell had some bad turnovers bad picks, he played kind of like Carson Wentz did today for the Colts if he does not turn the ball over Purdue's going to have a great shot to win the game O'Connell against Nebraska was 34 for 45 for 233 yards and two touchdowns did not turn the ball over and that's a big part of uh, Purdue winning that game as a dog You can't turn the ball over against Michigan State and expect to win this game. So I think that's going to be the key. I don't think Purdue can slow down that running attack. When you look at the total, the total looks kind of high. I think uh, 53.5 right now at Circa. Mm -hmm. But that's kind of telling you, I think, that Matt Metcalf, those guys don't think the Purdue defense can really shut down this Michigan State offense, and Kenneth Walker. Yeah, so here's there's a couple of things.
3: Really quickly to follow up on one. Your point, like in terms of what the game plan should be for Michigan State, um, produced statistically EPA per play defensively, actually the 11th team in the country, against the pass. Run defense is the weaker portion of their mm-hmm. defense. So that's going to be something to look at. And I uh, also wanted to point it out. So during this Michigan State game against Michigan this weekend, uh, I was, I'm was i watching the game and I'm like, you know what? Kenneth Walker's pretty damn good. Yeah. So I fire up my app. Go to bed on the Heisman. He was sixteen to one in the second quarter. As I go to fire, he goes to ten to one because he Ooh. rips off a massive touchdown run. He is now 5-1 five to one to win 1. the Heisman. It was nuts what he was able to do. He was oh, sixteen
1: to one. The, it's one of the weakest Heisman races I've ever seen. Oh yes, you know. The, so a guy like that, uh, Kenneth Walker was leading the nation uh, going into the weekend, one hundred and forty-two point four rushing yards per game. Then he dropped one ninety-seven yep. on Michigan. Uh, so yeah, I think that's what you get. Ten to one. No, I. I oh, went didn't to go get far. the
3: move Moved, yeah, oh, it moved. Okay. I, mean, I was like, no, nah, okay, I can't do it. And sure enough, he's five to one. So it's gonna be interesting
1: yep. to see that number this week. I actually thought three and a half was the right number on Michigan State. A little bit surprised to see three. And DraftKings got a two and a half. I want to talk about the other Big Ten game quickly because yeah. Nebraska is off that loss to Purdue. I really, I think, discouraging home loss That's for right the was going. Huskers. And you got to get back up and play Ohio State this week. The Buckeyes come to Lincoln. And uh, the Buckeyes need big wins. They struggled to get by Penn State, man. That was a 33-24 game. It was ugly. Had to get a big guy touchdown return yeah. for a fumble, right? All that. That was an ugly game for the Buckeyes. Now they're going on the road lane 15 in Lincoln. I, I think the number is fair, around 15, 15 and a half. Um, it, I think it hurts Nebraska a little bit. It's not a night game. Even though I think the last time, I think the, last time the Buckeyes went to Lincoln, I have to check this out, two years ago. I think they beat Nebraska like fifty to nothing. Okay, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. So I'm not going to be on the home dog here. I think one of the big differences in Ohio State, when I watch this team compared to the last uh, five ten years, mm. the quarterback plays is just not on the same level. I don't. I don't think C.J. Stroud is that dynamic playmaker that the Buckeyes have had at the quarterback position in the recent past.
3: Yeah, and I in just reading like reports uh, of like coming out of that loss for Nebraska. Um, very negative Juju hanging around the program yeah. with Scott Frost at this point. Like, mm-hmm. seems to be dead man walking. So, we'll see how that affects them going forward. Uh, let's see. I have their last trip to Nebraska in 2017. Ohio went in 156-14. to 14.
1: Okay. That so, sounds right. That sounds right. Okay. <laughs> All right.
3: So, I'm actually – so, there's a lot going on in college football this week, and we can continue this going forward, too, because there's a lot of games. Let's say in the Big Ten really quickly – what do you make of Penn State coming off of the loss to Ohio State? Because we saw an open there of Penn State eleven on the road against Maryland. Maryland, of course, uh, getting a win over Indiana just barely thirty eight to thirty five. You look at the screen right now. Penn State still holding strong eleven with a total of fifty five and a half. And I have to say this at least, you know, one of the things that I like overlooked in terms of just looking at that game. You know, I talked about the offense and I like it struggled. That Penn State defense is legitimately good. They're fantastic. They're a top 5 team across mm-hmm. the board in EPA numbers. They're really, really great. And now you get your crack at Maryland as a 10 point 11 point favorite on the road.
1: I think it's too many points. Yeah. Uh, I don't I don't like this Maryland team necessarily because I don't think it's a well-coached team, but James Franklin's not one of my favorite coaches either. I think the problem here with laying the points with Penn State. This is on the road, right?
3: Yes. Penn State on the
1: road. I think the problem with laying these points on the road is that it might be an emotional flat spot for the Nittany Lions, too. Yeah. They're off that nine overtime loss to Illinois. They go on the road. They play a great game. They actually played well above expectations the loss mm-hmm. to Ohio State. They gave it everything they had. They lose, come up short. Now you got to go on the road as a double-digit favorite. Those think, are two I've, taxing games to yeah, come I back think from. It's, I think it's the a road. lot to ask to cover double digits in that spot. Yeah.
3: All right, so when we, I mean, we can spend—we don't have to spend a lot of time, but I think it's actually a sneaky good week in the Mountain West too. We have Fresno State finally, right? We kept—we talked about it Fine. during the week. San Diego State can't keep getting away with it, and they didn't. Thirty to twenty, Fresno State gets the win. Uh, They—they cover, of course, as well. And now they get to hit the road. Excuse me, they get to play host to Boise State, and this is big for them because now they're in the driver's seat in their division in the Mountain West, right? The Fresno State Bulldogs after a win over San Diego State like that.
1: Jay Kaner is uh, tough as nails really good, the man. Fresno quarterback. I kept saying San Diego State's most fraudulent team in the top 25. Got to get exposed, and it finally happened. Like you said, 30-20 to 20, uh, last night. Fresno gets the win. Uh, I want to talk quickly about how much time we got here. We got 20 seconds. 20 so that's seconds. not enough. We're going
3: to have more on the other side. What'd you get? What do you, you want
1: to talk about? UNLV might win its first game in two years. And we have a good late-night game. Late Saturday night, 8 p.m. tip-off on the West Coast. Aztecs are in Honolulu.
4: Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Opening Lines with John Osamond and Matt Humans on VCN, the
3: sports betting network. Hey, make sure you check out our betting splits data. It's every single game, every single sport. You get side, you get money line, right? You get over under. You get to check out where the money's going, where the handle is, all of those things. Ticket count and match it up with all your bets, right? You want to see where the sharps are going, where the public is. Check it out, theeson.com slash subscribe. Very quietly, by the way, Houston Rockets have a nice little run. It is a 13-point game in the last game of the association this evening.
1: Rockets at the Lakers. And um, are the Lakers trying to get back to 500 here?
3: Yes, I believe so. I don't remember their record off the top of my head, but I think that is going to be the case here for the Los Angeles Lakers. And it is, no, they're already 500. So they can go to four and three here.
1: Yep.
3: Uh, okay, so let's clean up the college football board. There's a couple of games we should get to. One, big one in the SEC, I mean, from a spread perspective as well. Sure. Uh, Ala- <laughs> Alabama LSU, Tigers on the road here. Uh, opener, Crimson Tide 29 with a total of 63 and a half. And uh, still sitting in that range right now, Alabama 29 with a total of 65 or
1: 64.5. It's still a little bit stunning to see Alabama favored by this number over a team that won the national championship two years ago. <laughs> such a well-coached team. The too. fighting Jimmy Otts of uh, LSU have uh, fallen <laughs> pretty far pretty fast. Uh, yeah, I think twenty eight and a half, twenty nine. Is probably where this number is going to say. I don't think it gets up to 31. I believe the opener was 25. Is that correct? Uh,
3: I have my screen as an opener of 29, but that was the first number that popped up on the screen. I know sometimes it's not exactly uh, the official openers. Sometimes the screen's a little late. Yeah, no
1: surprise. Obama would take money, especially in Tuscaloosa. Uh, So, yeah, 28.5, 29 looks about the right number. How about this Georgia, Missouri number? Wow. Yeah. I saw that too. Yeah,
3: that was absolutely, that stuck out to me too. Right now you're looking at Missouri. 37-and-a-half is what they're catching, 38 with a total of 59-and-a-half. That has come down for what it's worth. Uh, I thought I saw an opener on my screen at least of 39. So uh, we'll see if Missouri's going to stay within that. That defense is legitimately
1: good, as we know, with Georgia. Well, uh, that Georgia defense was allowing 6.6 points a game going yeah. into the Florida game. Obviously – How about the end of not the first
3: a... half for Florida Gators?
1: Oh, Dan Mullen, what could you big... screw up the end of the first half any worse? In the what final two minutes, it's a three. it's a three-point game, and you go into the half-down, three touchdowns? Uh, Georgia, Oh boy, probably a little bit of a flat spot coming off the Florida game. Plus, mm-hmm. the Bulldogs know they're going to coast. they got the cliche, bigger fish to fry down the road. Uh, the Missouri game, it doesn't mean all that much. I think 38 is a pretty big number to lay here. And the one thing that I think is really intriguing about Georgia, and I've said this a couple times, very rarely is the best team in the league or the best team in college football have a weakness, and that weakness is the quarterback position. But that's the case with Georgia. The yeah. number one ranked team in the nation has one weakness, quarterback play. And that's why I'd favor Alabama on a neutral.
3: Yeah, Georgia uh, got two weeks to get ready for Charleston Southern, so I'm sure they're going to be looking forward Basically, to that. Basically, you got three weeks off. <laughs> right, yeah. road game against Tennessee, Charleston Southern, Georgia Tech after this week. All right, well, let's go to one more. Uh, I think it's a big matchup, obviously. Uh, Oregon ducks on the road against Washington. Oregon was – I saw an opener of seven. With a total of 51 and a half, I'm not surprised. We usually see this, right? The key numbers that get hung, and then you'll see uh, the money come in. Of course, those early players and take it off those key numbers. Six and a half right now with a total of 51, pretty much across the board.
1: Yeah, I'm not going to make too much out of Washington's win at Stanford last night, mm-hmm. 20 to 13, because again, that's just uh, the buffoonery of David Shaw. And I, th- I think David Shaw's an intelligent guy. He runs a good program. He seems likable, but the problem is he's a he's a dinosaur. He's a play calling dinosaur who schemes and conservative offense. He has an affinity for field goal attempts when he needs to be aggressive and score touchdowns. And last night, again, it came back to haunt Stanford. The mm-hmm. Cardinal played for a field goal eight and got beat. And David Shaw, is, um, <clears throat> I think, should be on thin ice at Stanford. But I'm not going to give Washington too much credit for that win. I, I think the concern here would be, do you want to lay that many points on the road with the Ducks? Yeah, you know, the, the Ducks' won loss was as a seven-point road favorite at Stanford. Uh, so do I think Washington can keep this close? Yeah, I think Stanford, or excuse me, I think uh, Oregon probably finds a way to win it, uh, but it, it might be one of those games that go, it comes down to a field goal, so I would not lay the points necessarily.
3: Yeah, Washington offensively, not very impressive. If you look at the EPA numbers overall, 77th pat, uh, rushing offense, 104th in the country, yeah. so it has not been great there. Uh, last one before we get to the big matchup in the Mountain West. Um what is the spot like for Michigan coming off of that loss? Well,
1: 17 was the opener with a total of 49 and a half. I think the Wolverines are lucky they catch Indiana. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Because Indiana is a complete mess. The Hoosiers did get a late touchdown to get in the back door at Maryland. But Indiana has also got a history of uh, getting whipped uh, by Michigan and Ohio State. They can't step up against the big boys and get it done. I, I think the Wolverines probably start slowly. In this game, there's going to be a hangover effect from the lost Michigan State. But eventually, talent is going to uh, rule out here. And I think Michigan's going to run the ball all over this Indiana defense. So I, I thought a number, any anything north of uh, 17, less than 21, was probably where this number would fall. All right. I, I, I'm not necessarily in a hurry to lay the points with Michigan. though. No, right. I think it's a bad spot.
3: Now, we've, we've waited the whole show for this. We saved the best for last. A massive matchup. With implications across the board, UNLV can potentially get their first win on the road against New Mexico this week. New Mexico had a win total of four and a half, so this is the end. Got no
1: room for error. You got to beat New Mexico. Well, UNLV's got UNLV. a, a win total of one and a half. Yep. And UNLV is what, 0 and 7?
3: Yes. Or, I, yeah. I was told by somebody who covers UNLV that my prediction that they would go winless was quote, trash. So. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Was that before the season? That was before the season. Is that Adam Hill? <laughs> no, it was somebody huh. who stalks the sidelines. Steve Kofi? <laughs> <Yeah>, it was. He's <laughs> like, all right, buddy, we'll see. So let's see. Hey, you're catching one. Winnable game against New Mexico after just showing up with nothing against Nevada No, no. On Friday night.
1: Marcus Arroyo is one of the worst coaches in college football. He proved to get him Friday night, and that blowout loss to the Lobos was a 51-20. to mm-hmm. 20. Went it for two. Was, like it was you forty-one did. to twenty, and he went for two. Yeah, when you're down twenty-one, you always want to go for the two-point conversion, to, especially when the spread uh, sitting around. Cut two. it to nineteen. <laughs> uh, this guy's so bad, and uh, UNLV is so bad on both sides of the football. I can't get on board here. I think the odds makers telling you that UNLV is the right side,
3: Tell, the, they're telling you there's a the better team, right? I mean, I don't know how much you would handicap New Mexico's home field,
1: but uh, so, so, right? so it's going to be friends and family in the stands in Albuquerque and that's about it. Uh I think <laughs> our friendship you never know. I think the Lobos might be a little bit undervalued here though because they have the far better coaching staff, mm-hmm. okay? So you got the home team with far better coaching staff and you also have the Lobos off a 14 to 3 win at Wyoming and then off a bye. So yep. I've had a, plenty of prep time to get ready for this clumsily coached UNLV team. I I would to me it's got to be New Mexico or pass. Yeah. Marcus uh, Arroyo's got to prove he can win a game before I bet on him. And he is definitely at a disadvantage here. This New Mexico coaching staff's a lot sharper than Marcus Arroyo.
3: Yes, and I would say this. I just it, it is interesting. If you remember from last season, New Mexico did get off to a poor start as well. They were winless, but they did get better as the year went along. They ended up winning and covering their last two games of the season too. So. And beat I mean, UNLV easily. Right. right? And so maybe you wonder if this is the start of maybe a similar trend for New Mexico Right, You get that win over Wyoming like you're talking about, and then you can maybe move on and get another one at home over a UNLV team that has not shown much.
1: It's always great on Saturday yeah. nights when we have a game in Honolulu, and we have one this week. San Diego State at Hawaii. The Aztecs finally exposed as a frauds finally. They were in the top 25. They lose at home to Fresno State. Now the Aztecs go on the road and laying 7 or 7.5 in the islands against a Hawaii team that was just blown out at Utah State. Total of uh, 46.5. Uh, I think – Oh boy! I think the Aztecs might be a little bit flat off their first loss of the season. The dream crusher spot. Yeah, it could it could be a spot where you look at the home dog here, plus seven and a half. But I got to tell you, I don't I don't know where Siobhan Cordero has been, the yeah. Hawaii quarterback. And I gotta I gotta see what the Hawaii quarterback situation is going to be. This game's going to attract a decent amount of betting interest. Four nineteen, four twenty. The last game on the rotation, Saturday night. I've been pretty good at capping. Uh, Hawaii games this year. I'll try to come up with a play on this by the by the middle of the week. All right, last one
3: for you before we get out of here really quickly. I want to stay in the conference. Um, what do you make of the Wolfpack? Ten-point favor, total of 58.5 over San Jose State. They get the win over Wyoming. It was 27-21. Wyoming got some late scores to make that a little bit closer, right, and right. they had a chance, a, a gasp at the end. Still Nick Nash, your quarterback, this past weekend, too. Ten points for the Wolfpack.
1: Well, circa got nine and a half. Mm-hmm. I think Superbook's got ten. I like uh, I like Nevada laying anything less than ten. If it's double digits, I'm not going to play it. Carson Strong uh, is, is got to be in the discussion as a first round draft.
3: Pick. Well, some I think I don't know if it was PFF or Sports Illustrated who had him as the top quarterback.
1: I saw a video. We'll put this on the edge this week. Mel Kuyper, who apparently spends a lot of time uh, scouting college quarterbacks, yes, listed his top four quarterback prospects for the draft and did not list Carson Strong. Do you watch college football at all? Do you have a clue? Wow. What? Seriously? That's crazy. No, that's crazy. Yeah. How can you list four and not list him? Well, and w- I'll, I'll pull the video up this week, and we'll use it on the edge, but uh, Carson Strong might be the number one quarterback prospect in this draft. In How fa- would you not have him in your top four?
3: In fairness, you know, it, Mel has a track record, a strong one. It's not like he's ever had like Jimmy Clausen as top-rated quarterback. Player. <laughs> <Okay>. All right, <laughs> we're all done. Uh, again, if you miss out any part of this show, com slash podcast. The Edge with us will be, of course, starting tomorrow, 1 p.m. Pacific time. See you then.
1: Sumo Play.